This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to the Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Rob Blanchett as ever, recording just after Manchester United have another scare in the Europa League. But uh, a win. Because, but a, a win. win. The most important thing, it is a, it is a win against Ammonia Nicosia 3-2. Uh, I think they finished seventh in Cyprus last season, managed by uh, Neil Lennon. 3-2 win after falling behind due to some, well, Terrell Malassia losing it in his own half while being the last man. Shades of Istanbul, Basak Shahir uh, a little while back. But this is in the Europa League. Rob, uh, Thursday night football in all its glamour. You know, it's not great fun. Well, it's not even Thursday night. 5.45 on a Thursday night. That's, I've had enough already. <laughs> well, Thursday nights are Europa nights, aren't they? So that as the song says. But um yeah, look, this is why I don't tend to get emotionally invested in Europa League on these Thursday things. I just my brain cannot accept it. But funnily enough, with this match, we have some stuff to talk about because I think it was quite an interesting game of football, not just because of the scoreline, but because of some of the things United did well, but also because of some of the stuff United didn't do so well at maybe a few different combinations in there for Ten Hag. I think he was trying to get players minutes today. There's no kind of problem with that. But I think we're now looking forward as well, obviously, to the Everton game. Uh, and I think one or two players have given him food for thought. Yeah, United smashed by Man <coughs> smashed by Man City at the weekend. I think wasn't really surprised to see Ten Hag stick with the majority of the team that played that game. Just because of the manner in which it happened, you know, best thing to do after a big defeat like that is to kind of get back on it and try and rectify it or just get it out of the system in a sense. Cristiano Ronaldo started, Victor Lindelof started after Rafa Varane's injury. Uh, Casemiro started as well. And, you know, I, to be honest, I mean, like, you know, I don't think United were that bad. I know that they spent a lot of the time in the match behind because of the goal they conceded but I think there they were elements of of the game where you could see you know this worked this worked and this worked there were some parts that didn't and we'll talk about those but yeah I mean they should have won by more to be honest shouldn't they yes and that's before we even saw the match so yes. this is the thing you know Nicosia are about relegation in the championship top half of league one type standard so when you kind of marry it up like that Manchester United are a team looking to get in the Champions League at the end of the season that's their standard so there's a big gulf between the two clubs but of course on the day that gulf wasn't always present yes Man United had more possession yes Man United had more chances I think when you look at the two Nicosia goals I think Eric Ten Hag will be doing a sermon on both of those when they get back to Carrington because they were both horrible for their own reasons. 
But you're playing against a team like this. You've got to put them away. You know, you talked about Man City, didn't we, in the last match, the last podcast, and how City put teams away, yeah? They just do their thing and beat you. That's what they do. Man United turned up today, and you could see they were thinking that. We'll just do our thing. We'll beat this lot. And then you're 1-0 down. Hmm. And then you're 3-1 you're, you're, uh, three, three, up, and it's 3-2. And you're like, no. So... Kind of interesting, but interesting for all, all the wrong reasons. Yes, uh, subscribe to our show wherever you get your pods on Apple, Google, Spotify, etc. And watch us on YouTube twice a week as well. On Tuesdays and Fridays, so head over to the channel, hit the like button, subscribe and leave a comment. Join the community as well. And follow us on Twitter uh, at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B. And at Promise and MU for the show as well. Today, we'll be talking about the the recent win and we'll be looking ahead to the Everton game bit of a review preview kind of vibe because the games are coming thick and fast be the same thing next week as well because I think uh, the return leg of this game is at Old Trafford next Thursday if I've got that right I haven't even looked yep. at the fixture list but that's just generally how it works isn't it and then United play another fixture I'm guessing on Sunday in the Premier League uh, so these games are coming thick and thick and fast now ahead of the World Cup but Yes, United, they needed to win this game, to be honest. If they if they really want to qualify for the Europa League, needed to win. I always thought they would, even though they fell behind. But Rob, what do you want to start with what worked or what didn't work for you tonight? What what let's go with what didn't work. Let's start on yeah. a negative note. Yeah, let's go with the negatives and add in the positives. Because there were negatives and positives. It's a it was a strange kind of game. Normally these games are kind of damp squibs. You come away from them thinking, you know, was it even worth watching that? But it was today. So negatives. So I was listing them a few before, weren't we, before we started recording. Uh, and some very defined ones. So I'm gonna start at the top end of the pitch. Because you saw that Man United had plenty of possession in this game. In the first half, they had all of the ball. I think at one point they had something like 78% possession and it was nil-nil. And I think they'd had something like 12 shots. Um, there's 12 shots on goal, not on target, but they'd had opportunities. But you could see that from the passing, Man United still can't do the basics. You know, they still can't move the ball around freely. And I think you saw off the back of that, again, we saw that tonight that Bruno was paired uh, with uh, Ronaldo in a kind of nine and 10 split, you know, with Ericsson playing a more freer role in midfield as well. And that didn't work either. It didn't work at all. They just do not work together. I, I, I said on Twitter during the game, like a little halftime analysis, I went, this is why Portugal don't do it. And loads of people were like, oh, Portugal do do it. No, when Portugal do it, Bruno ends up playing as a proper number eight and Ronaldo plays as a nine. And when Bruno plays higher up the pitch, Bruno gets pulled after 60 minutes in every Portugal match, whenever he plays the 10. That's the truth. I've covered these games. And tonight, what happened? Bruno Fernandes, inexplicably, something we're not seeing very often, is it, Scott? Got pulled after an hour. It was the right decision. Um, so that that wasn't positive. I think it was interesting for Ten Hag to see it, see if those two could do something together. But once again, I just seem to think that these two are not on the same wavelength. doesn't matter that they're countrymen, that Bruno's hero growing up was Cristiano. I don't think any of that counts. I just think they're not on the same wavelength. And that was a problem last year, and it's still a problem now. Yeah, I mean, we talked about Bruno being 
you know, quite wasteful with his passing. Mm. Just didn't seem to click tonight. But I, I know we spoke on the last show, Rob, about potentially thinking about dropping Bruno. Uh, we can't we can't do that again. Um, but, you know, it's, it's on the agenda. I've seen it on my timeline on Twitter as well. There's some fans saying that this is a problem we've got to try and fix. Yeah. But no player should be undroppable in this team. Yeah. And I think in terms of undroppables, not, I think it's only really Bruno who hasn't suffered that. Mm. I'm trying to, trying to think of, well, maybe David De Gea as well, but, you know, that's a different kettle of fish, really. Uh, there are other alternatives to the likes of Bruno Fernandes in that position. Christian Eriksen obviously has been playing that deeper role um but you know if bruno isn't doing it if it's not clicking uh and just so happens that as soon as he was replaced <laughs> uh anthony martial came on and scored pretty much straight away so maybe maybe he just needs you know dropping being made to think about things maybe that's happened maybe that's worked well with luke shaw there's other players in that team who've lost their place and are looking better for it Totally. And we'll talk about Luke Shaw in a little bit, but we'll talk about the guy he came on from. So uh, Malassia, so we'll talk about some of the defending side of it now. Malassia and for me, Victor Lindelof, who I don't want to ever really speak about ever again and have get forced to every time he ends up on a football pitch. Uh, he was terrible tonight, uh, Lindelof, especially for the second goal. You see he gets dispossessed. And it's not just being dispossessed, Scott. It's then the next phase. It's like run back and help. And he's just like a chugging machine. I tell you what, Harry Maguire is a better footballer than he is. So when Maguire is fit, Maguire is way ahead of Lindelof. So I think I mooted that maybe you could balance those two. Which one would play? I'm not sure. I'm now quite sure. It's not Victor Lindelof. I don't think Victor Lindelof is a viable starter in any way. But also a little bit sad for Malassia, I think, for that goal where he gives it away because... He's a young player. It was a bit of a tough moment for him. United could have helped him when he lost the ball. It still felt that United could have recovered that goal. And, you know, we defended David De Gea last week, didn't we? I'm going to do the opposite this week. When that ball breaks away and they're through on goal, David De Gea is on the edge of his box and he runs all the way back to his line. And then when the ball comes through, he has to come back out and close the angle, have those hands up. And he just stays put. And what happens? The player just shoots it above him. That was all. And that was because De Gea decided to say six, seven yards off his line rather than coming out and maybe just smothering that opportunity, that attack. Do you know what I mean? Say to the player, put it in one of the corners. But he didn't do that. He let him shoot in the top corner. And he shouldn't really be able to shoot in the top corner from eight yards. Not really. So that was also a negative. I think, again, with the defence, I think Ten Hag is going to come away from this game and go, well, we won it. And that's good. And all I care about is three points. But there's some very defined attacking and defensive issues that are not not new, but because they're now current and they're in our faces the last few games, it's something the manager has got to think about and potentially change. I'm seeing a bit of a, or ha, I was seeing a bit of a split on that first goal. Mm. So obviously, Malasio is the one who lost the ball. Yeah. Uh, perhaps he could have let it run behind him and went and gone backwards, but obviously yeah. he kind of took the ball and he was under pressure straight away. It's his mistake, yeah. It's, it is his mistake. Jaden Sandro didn't help him out, really. But then oh. I, I looked at... Uh, when Sandro had the ball, I thought, all right, he's lining up to shoot here. And Bruno Fernandes runs over the ball and mm. denies him the opportunity to shoot. So mm. then that forces Sancho's hand to go backwards. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. Did, it was did, like eight, eight messes in one Yeah. Mess. Yeah. Uh, so there's still a lot of working out to do here. I Malassia was selected after a difficult first half in the in the Manchester derby. 
Mm. And now he's been hooked at halftime again. Yeah. You wonder what that'll do for his confidence being a young lad. I don't know what it will do for his confidence, but what it will do is he'll now be on the bench. And that's yeah. the right decision. So like, I, th- I think the thing is that it, it's not even whether you make the mistake or don't make the mistake or if you're to blame, you're not to blame. I just think in the last few weeks, it's pretty clear that whether he's maybe just overworked a little bit because he started all those games while Luke Shaw was out still. Shaw was trying to get his own fitness back. So there was a period when Manassi kind of had no, no competition and played relatively well. But I think you did see a big difference tonight between Malassia's natural game and Luke Shaw's natural game. And you just see that Luke Shaw is a much more experienced, kind of progressive, forward-thinking, overlapping type fullback. And Malassia, I think, is still developing all those parts of his game. So there's no problem with that. You know, I think give him time and I'm sure he'll be a very, very good left back. I do also think that he might get games on at right back this season where he might switch. Um, so that might be something you see with, when if you want to rest low. But I think Luke Shaw now will be the starter. Just I, I just don't think there's any kind of question about that. I think Luke Shaw's got more artillery in his arsenal than a player like Malassia. Let's move to the... I want to. I want to talk about Ronaldo because you know, <laughs> difficult I'll night for to. him. Do we, I think we do because you know we're still on the negative side. I mean, like I, I've tweeted a bit tonight about watching it is kind of funny. That's not in a sinister way or anything like that. It's just you know, Ronaldo gobbles up a, a few of those chances on any given night. I think this was a bad night for him, but at the same time, we are seeing Ronaldo struggle it's not it's not that nice to see but also you know there's other players in there who look sharper than he is at the moment and you know every time people say you got to start Ronaldo in these big games and then he goes and plays against Ammonia Nicosia and fails like that you know I'm guessing guessing Roy Keane doesn't watch the Champions League you know Uh, the the Europa League I'm, I'm I'm guessing I, I I don't know, I don't know what Roy Keane watches, <laughs> but um, um, I must be honest. But um, yeah, you're right, I, and I think this is the thing about Ronaldo. So it's like watching Rocky Eight, isn't it? Rocky Eight, Rocky's a hundred years old, but everyone still expects that Rocky's going to knock out the twenty-five-year-old world champion because he's Rocky. Ronaldo's done. Ronaldo is done at the top level, and and I think you saw tonight. Like, I I actually think. He played okay tonight in isolation. He was much better when Martial and Rashford were on the pitch because Martial and Rashford just went, we'll do the running and the spacing. You know, we'll do that hard work because that's our games. You know, and you saw that Martial drifted to the right and kind of played off that side, especially once Anthony had been pulled. Uh, And Rashford, I thought, was sensational on the left. Really, really good, incredible energy. And and literally like a one-man press at times. He was like, I'm going for this fullback. I'm ready to do this. And I think he might have looked at it tonight and thought, yeah, I've been put on the bench. I've got something to prove. Um, And, you know, his first goal especially, really, really smart finish. Second goal, again, he kind of makes it, doesn't he? He assists himself via Ronaldo. Um, But I think with Cristiano and his legs... And his fitness and just his general kind of state of play, the way he wants to play the game, just inhibits United massively. And I think we saw that, especially in the first half. I said we talked about Bruno there. But I do think that Bruno, if he's Bruno's the 10, he needs a striker that moves. 
and Ronaldo doesn't. You know, so even today saw Ronaldo kind of doing a little bit extra work and maybe spacing and trying to help in the second half, but only when he had more energy around him. When he was the point of the attack, it just didn't work. United had shots, but it couldn't score. You know, they weren't making really good chances, were they? So it'd be quite interesting to kind of look at the the XG of it all tonight and see what United really were, especially in that first half. But I just think what we're seeing is just the stuff we know, Scott. And I know some fans are in denial and they think Ronaldo's the answer to everything. But I really do think that these are the end days of Cristiano Ronaldo, not just at Manchester United, but actually his football career. Oh, fair play, Rob. Uh, I've got some Saudi quotes. Arabia can take him. He can get a Saudi Arabia and he'll make half a million pound a week or a million pound a week and he will love it. I think he'll enjoy being, you know, the God again. But let's be honest, we were playing a team tonight who are a League One standard team and he couldn't score. So, you know, that doesn't fill me with uh, with glee when we are, we're coming up against these Premier League sides, you know, you come up against a Southampton or a running team or something like that. How can you even consider Cristiano? There's no surprise why Ronaldo didn't play against Man City, not one minute, because there's no way I think you can put him in there. We'll still get clamours to to start him in every single game. Don't worry, it'll be a conversation point for as long as he's still at Man United. Uh, remains to be seen how long that will be. I would imagine by June it will be over, but um, maybe maybe January, we'll see. But um, Eric Ten Hag has been speaking post-match. Uh, some quotes from him. I think we started well and then an unnecessary mistake cannot happen. You let the crowd get alive and you have to avoid that. We tried to mm-hmm. change a couple of things. We were too static. We needed more runs. Yeah. <laughs> Based on what we were just talking about. Yeah. Uh, the subs made a difference today. Martial getting injured was a big disappointment for me and for the team. We missed him. It has an impact on the first couple of results. So, yeah, I mean, let's let's flip it a little bit. We said Sunday we have to react as well. We have to prepare for that now. Let's flip it a little bit because you mentioned uh, Anthony Martial and Marcus Rashford. Mm-hmm. Both made a big difference. Uh, Rashford was really good. Martial made an instant impact. Martial looks very sharp. He's had three goals in his, you know, barely, uh, I don't know how many minutes he's got in the last. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Two gains, he's made a big impact in both. Uh, albeit the result on Sunday didn't, you know, as well beyond doubt by that time. But he has made an impression. He looks fit. He adds something di- something different to United's front line. I think uh, both of them made a big impression on Eric Ten Hag. And, you know, it begs the question, with Jadon Sancho not really pulling his way at the moment, not, not playing well, you know, I do have options to yeah. rotate around, don't they? So it, maybe they're playing their way into contention. Yeah, and I think this is what we wanted to highlight, wasn't it, a few weeks ago when we said about how we feel about the squad and the team, is that, yes, United are not the finished article. We know all of this. But he has got some genuinely nice problems. You know, he's got good players at his disposal, and he can play different systems and different ways. And we've said before that he's quite a conservative coach with his changes, and he kind of only just wants to make essential changes. He's not, He's not kind of 
flippant and he doesn't just like make 10 changes on the bounce and all of this, like maybe other managers might do. He doesn't tinker so much. But I do think we're we're in a situation now, especially Jaden Sancho. We've said we wanted to see more Jaden Sancho. I think Jaden Sancho is now probably going to have to go and sit on the bench. So this is just how it is. Sancho's form is flagged for whatever reason. I really don't know. There's nothing tangible for making you think that there's been a drop off in the, in his own performances. But it does mean that Marcus Rashford, who is definitely on fire, Anthony Martial, like you said there, you, you know he scored his goal. I mean, that moment with Martial, where as soon as he got the ball in that position outside the box, I was like, goal. Yeah. I was like, goal. It's either going to be goal or the goalkeeper's going to have to make a world-class save or he's going to hit the bar or the post or something to stop it going in. But I just thought goal. And you could see he thought goal. He put it in and he was like, you know, high fives, everyone. Nice. I've been doing this in training for weeks. You know, I know I know where I am. And it's interesting as well, isn't it, to see how highly praised by the manager he is. But the manager to kind of say, well, the reason why we started poorly is because we didn't have Anthony Martial. But I think we said that in pre-season. When he got the injury in the knock, we were like, ah, oh, Martial's been the glue at the top. Martial's the guy who can help United get them playing the systems that Ten Hag wants them to play. And I think we might now might start to see that. I think it's a case of what you do with Rashford, what you do with Sancho. What you do with Martial is that he's the number nine. He has to play. Cristiano's not really competitive to play there, maybe just a few minutes off the bench. Uh, and I think it will be back to the bench for Cristiano. I cannot really see him playing many minutes if you've got a fit and firing Anthony Martial. Yeah, nobody really has the same skill set as Martial does in that central position. Uh United fans have been high on him for a long time. There are probably points where faith has been lost. I know that yeah. fans of other teams in the league don't really think he's kind of more of a joke figure just because he hasn't, uh, you know, delivered consistently. He's been injured a lot, but he really does. When he's on form, he is a really good uh, weapon to have. And I think Eric, Eric Ten Hag really recognizes that. Does strike me as a real Ten Hag type of striker. Yeah. You know? like he is streaky. Like, we know he's streaky. Yeah, he'll have good and bad games. But, again, one of the things that was going through my head watching the game and thinking about what we were going to talk about today, I, I would be making a statement if I'm Eric Ten Hag talking to the player, and I would be saying, I expect 20 goals from you this year. It's not, it's not a target. I expect 20 goals from you this year. That is your standard. And if you're playing well up top and I'm giving you the minutes and I'm telling you you're my number nine... It can't be 12 goals and like you've had a good season, mate. It has to be 20. You have to be aiming at the highest echelon. So this this is where I look at it. You could say, if you look at the team at the moment, I would say, you know, 20 goals for Martial, 15 to 18 for Rashford. And they've got to be the hub of your goals because you're taking Ronaldo's goals out, aren't you? You're taking those numbers off. Uh, we talked about Bruno being dropped. If Bruno gets dropped and Ericsson plays as the 10, Ericsson's not going to score as many as Bruno. I will say this as well, though. What is all this about Bruno and Ronaldo taking free kicks from the best free kick taker? Oh, I know, yeah. In the squad by I a know. mile yeah. is Christian Eriksen. Like Christian Eriksen, any other club in in Britain, he's not, he's not even the, he's not even anywhere near it either. He wasn't even near the ball, and so it tells you that those two guys are pulling rank. You know, mm. they're saying, "Well, we're the we're the top dogs. We're the egos of the team. We're the leaders. We're taking free kicks." And when Ronaldo took his free kick and was then like, "Oh no, I've missed again," and it's like, "Well." Actually, your 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 strike rate from from free kicks is 
pretty awful it has been for about five years not really he's not really not really scored many goals from free kicks in the last five years uh, and Bruno I maybe get why he would like to take them but wouldn't you be giving them to Ericsson because he is he's deadly from 20-25 yards absolutely deadly and yet as you said he wasn't even behind the ball for them so that's another thing I'd like to see developed by Ten Hag I'd like to see him pulling rank saying I'm the manager I quite like Christian Ericsson to take those free kicks yeah, Ronaldo did actually surprise me when he stood over his. I think it was in the first half. I said to myself, mm. well, this is going to hit the wall. And he blew it right over the bar. So at least yeah. he uh, didn't hit the wall there. But yeah, there's just, you can just tell that there's uh, not little clicks there, but a hierarchy. And Christian Eriksen probably hasn't had enough time yet to feel like he's, you know, got enough clout to say, no, get off it. Because I'm yeah, the best. We... I think we said after the City game about potential discourse, you know, about those who might think Ronaldo should play and those who might think Ronaldo shouldn't. But there's lots of those things and lots of those elements for so many things in the team, isn't it? Like, who should really be the the, the, the ball player in the team? Who should actually control that kind of, you know, what players playing around certain elements? Uh, what do you, what responsibilities do you give uh, the fullbacks, what do you want them to invert? Do you want them to overlap? What do you want them to do? There's always seems to be a little bit of confusion in real time uh, between what you want the team to do. But I think that's because it is a new project and the leadership role at the moment is it's it's Bruno, it's Ronaldo, it's De Gea, it's, uh, you know, Harry Maguire somewhere over there, you know, he's not even playing. They're still your leaders there's a big question there to say you need some new leaders. And that's when you go to these next two, three transfer windows. Uh, I said yesterday, United need to go and find their version of Vincent Company. When Vincent Company was available, when he went to Man City, everyone was like, why are they signing him? It's like, he's a leader, he's a ball player, and he can take them forward. And I feel that you've got Varane, you've got uh, Martinez. I still think United probably need another centre-back to either rotate in and out with those guys, but you need some more leadership building through the core of the team. Let's uh let's look ahead to uh the Everton game because the Everton game is on well because United are in the Europa League I think the tw- this was meant to be the 12:30 on Saturday right. but it's been moved uh BT Sport have it if you're in the UK. Yeah. Uh 7 o'clock kickoff on a Sunday night which is going to be a little bit weird but United do have you know it's what 72 hours now till uh they play that game so there's a bit of time mm-hmm. to rest. Do you think Ten Hag... Well, Ten Hag had settled on a team, right? Mm. The last few games. He talked about why Scott McTominay in the lead-up to this game had been selected over Casemiro. Mm. Uh, I understand the logic there completely. Maybe I don't... Not everyone agrees with it, but I understand why he did it. And he pretty much confirmed that, you know, Scott McTominay's been playing well and we've been winning games. So that's, that's why I've kept him in there. And just so... But lo and behold, he was taken out of the team tonight for Casemiro, even if it is a Europa League game. But there are there are players in this team now or in on the fringes of the squad, like like Martial, who are forcing their way in. Mm. And how many changes do you think we can expect to to see in Ten Hag's favoured lineup? Do you, do you think he's going to go from? I think he's going to make tweaks here and there, or do you think we could see a shift in his mentality of who is? my regular starting 11 from this point? I don't think we'll see a shift in kind of inverted commas mentality. I don't think we'll see these big changes because I think Ten Hag as a coach and individual doesn't do that. 
You know, he's a development coach. He takes his time, he sticks with it, and he rolls with the punches. So, yeah, you'll get one or two or three players changing at a time, but very rarely will you see wholesale changes. He's certainly not like Claudio Ranieri. He's not a tinkerman. He's not going to say, do you know what? Six players have played well for me. I'm just going to chuck these six in. He doesn't do that. He likes to develop partnerships uh, and give players minutes. But you are definitely going to see changes because there are players who have forced their way in. So I think from back to front, we've mentioned most of them already. Uh, I think that Varane, if he's fit, will definitely be back in. There's no doubt about it. I think Varane, even half fit, will be ahead of Victor Lindelof. I think it's become quite an important position, that right side of centre-back. Um, I think Luke Shaw will be back in. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think Malasia starts this next match at all. Um, and then when you look in the midfield, I think this is where today was a little bit of an audition for some of it. Because I look at Casemiro, and we've already said it, haven't we? You pay that kind of money for Casemiro. He's on free £350,000 a week. He cannot sit on your bench to play 20 minutes here and there. He's got to start starting games. So it was interesting today to see the way the midfield was set up with Casemiro really as a number six, kind of a bit more deep lying, kind of in front of the centre-backs. And then the other two midfielders, it ended up being a kind of 4-1-4-1. But those two guys had freer roles. You had Bruno playing a number 10 role, Ericsson being much more of, you know, the, the modern floating eight, as they like to call it in tactical terms. So I think we'll see more of that. I think we'll just see more of that, but maybe with, with just different people in different places. I think Bruno will start at Arsenal. I don't think that he'll drop him for that. But I, I think the message is there to Bruno Fernandes is that if you do not play well for whatever reason with the combinations or all of that, your place, you know, you're not undroppable. And I think that we won't see huge rotation, but we will see these one or two or three key positions change. Martial has to start, doesn't he? Yeah, Rashford, I think, has to start now. Rashford's the player of the month for the Premier League. And he comes on for Jane Sancho, who now looks out of form. So I think these things kind of pick themselves, don't they? I don't think they're like big leaps. But I do think that, that Ten Hag will feel that he's now got justification to make some of these changes. Whereas I think weeks gone by, he's been like, no, you've earned your place, you've earned your place, you've earned your place. Now you've earned your place on the bench. So I'm bringing someone else in. United lost this game last season. They lost a lot of games last season, this yeah. Everton game. Uh, one thing I did want to ask you that I didn't, uh, didn't mention already is when they fell behind in this game on Thursday night, you know, it was, it was very much against the runner play. It was obviously United played that, played themselves there and they conceded a yeah. goal because of it. Yeah. They looked like they were just a bit rocked and it, it continues to happen. It continues to happen. They just don't, they, it's not like they meant they're able to, cope with that they need time to you know think oh my god what's happened here we, we shake ourselves and it just take it takes them time to build confidence again and mm. you know with a defeat at city the other day in the fashion it came in going into the everton game now everton are in they haven't lost in the last i'm looking at the premier league form table last five games they haven't lost in five games they, mm. the defense is quite solid they've conceded Man United conceded twice as many goals as Everton have this mm. season. So, you know, Goodison Park, difficult atmosphere to go into. How do you think they'll be able to cope with this, given everything that's gone on around them over the last few days? Well, look, this is the weird thing, isn't it, about expectations and how you react to stuff. You're totally right what you said about the goal, about how they reacted. But United have got to get away from this 
fragile kind of insular way of behaving on a football pitch. So this is why we talk about leadership all the time, because it's your leaders that mold all this together. Your experienced players bring it all together. But this lot are so petulant in the way that they behave. They're, they're kind of like a, some uh, like teenager who's seen an eviction on a on a reality TV show, and they're like, oh, and they're just frightened, aren't they, for twenty minutes? It's so this is too much drama. I can't take it. My brain's overloaded. And United need to get away from that. So Everton is a risky game. Everton are so much better defensively this year than they have been, say, the last twenty-four months and beyond. They're just a, a much more tighter unit. And I think you need to go there and play Premier League football. You need to go there, do a little bit of counter-pressing, play on the front foot and do all the stuff that you really didn't do against Man City. So Everton are the same as Southampton, are the same as all of those teams that float around mid-table to the bottom half, is that they will push you and they will outwork you in certain areas. But if you allow that to happen, you turn the game into an emotional event, you could lose, couldn't you? And that's what tonight was. You nearly lost against a really poor team because you let it turn into an emotional event. You let them score a goal. You let the crowd get up. You made two errors for both the goals. They were both really bad errors. Especially, I think the second one was worse than Malassia's. I really do think Lindelof's mistake was worse than in that moment when Malassia just kind of loses the ball on a halfway line. You've still got time to save yourself. But Everton are a, are a strange team, aren't they? Because they are very hit or miss. They can come out play really well and they can also stink they can also kind of be somewhere in the middle I think it's a decent opponent for United I think United will be able to play counter press against them and the energy style of football that they prefer to play and I just think the identity needs to be kind of resolved now Scott after City where they didn't run they didn't chase didn't harry and they got hammered Everton should be a better recipe for their style of football well, let's wait and see. United play Everton on Sunday night, UK time, 7pm. Rob, uh, we'll wrap up the show in a little bit because it's getting late. We're recording this. Uh, well, it's getting approaching my bedtime, to be honest. We're not recording this on a on a morning as we usually do. Uh, just recording this just after the game. But uh, any final thoughts, Rob, ahead of the game or after tonight? No, we talked a lot, didn't we, about potential team selections and selections going forward. I think a lot of these team sheets are going to sort themselves out. I really do. I think you've got a natural amount of players on form or coming into form. And simultaneously, having a few players going out of form who probably need a little bit of a rest or sit on the bench. So uh, I, I think it's going to be the usual suspects we've talked about. And I think that for the next, say, few weeks to be successful... And what I mean by that is that Man United go back on a run of winning four, five, six, seven games. It's what you'd be looking for. I think it's going to come at the feet of Rashford and Martial, which is a strange thing to say when many people wanted them out of the football club <laughs> only five minutes ago. But it feels like the best version of Eric Ten Hag's team comes about when those two players are on the pitch and when those two players are popping together. It was nice, wasn't it, to see the link up as well with Marcus just with a kind of confident little flick, Martial coming back inside. Both their goals were really smart in terms mm -hmm. of their finishing. Uh, and they're, they're on form. So if they're on form and if they're, the heat is there and they feel motivated and they're going to do the pressing as well, I think you're uh, you're on to a winner. And I do also think Luke Shaw coming back into the team will give United just some real, much more ball progression on that left-hand side that maybe Malassia has shown in the last few weeks he's not quite ready to do. United have a difficult run of games coming up in the Premier League. Everton, Newcastle, Spurs, Chelsea, West Ham, Villa and mm. Fulham before the World Cup begins. 
Uh, and yeah, wonder how many points they'll end up taking. They need to get their confidence back. They need to gain uh, a bit of momentum and start taking some results like they were doing before football came to a halt and the international break happened, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, at least the City defeat has been somewhat put behind them uh, after tonight's, uh, I won't call it limp to the win over Ammonia Nicosia, but I think, you know, they could have been better. There are lessons to learn, but there are also some positives too. I uh, hope you've enjoyed the show today. Rob, thank you very much again uh, for talking to me on the Promised Land podcast. You can subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, and the likes. And watch us on YouTube twice a week as well on Tuesdays and Fridays. So head over to the channel, hit the like button, join the community, leave a comment, and subscribe. Like every video for us as well, just so we can get suggested a little bit more. And follow us on Twitter too, at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promise and MU for the show. We'll see you very soon. Uh, Manchester United play Everton on Sunday night, and we'll be back to talk about that on Tuesday. Thanks very much for listening. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.